Jewish Money Matters, episode 275, Live an Organized Jewish Life, How and Why, with professional organizer, Rebecca Saltzman. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. Are you naturally organized? My guest today says you don't have to be. It's a learned skill, apparently, and when you learn it, you will become more flexible. Yes, you heard that right. You'll be able to spend time and energy doing what you enjoy the most, and you'll even serve God better. My guest today is Rebecca Saltzman, professional organizer and author of the newly released book, Organized Jewish Life. Timely topic as we're getting ready for the whirlwind month of Tishrei, which on top of our jobs, our kids, our life, well, can challenge even the most organized of us. What can we be doing now to have a smooth Tishrei despite the longer to-do list? How do we get to a place where we don't become a slave to our stuff? And with stuff, I had to throw an email <laughs> as stuff in there and ask Rebecca about it because, you know, it, uh, it takes time to manage that. The financial implications of going zero waste, something I personally am very intrigued by and have yet to embrace, asking for help, and more importantly, knowing what to ask for, something that her book, Organized Jewish Life, helps us clarify. Here's the insightful Rebecca Saltzman. Rebecca Saltzman, welcome back to Jewish Money Matters. How are you? I'm glad to be here. It's nice to see you. I always like talking to my friends. Uh, yeah, I know. This is going to be fun because it's exactly <laughs> like that. Like, And by the way, I was just thinking back to the fact that you've been on this show when it was the old show, the Jewish Life yeah. Business Show. And I think it was this time of year precisely. And how do I know that? Not because I went back and to look, but only because I remember us having a conversation about organization, of course, which is your field, your expertise, <laughs> and what we're going to talk about today. But you said something that made me realize it's this time of year. You talked about getting rid of stuff to like open up ourselves to the new blessings. And I thought that was such a great point. And so here we are again, I don't know how many years later, LO time talking about something that I don't think was in the works back then when we talked about organization, nope. which is your new book, Organized Life. <laughs> beautiful book. I want to get started with this project because again, it wasn't something that I don't think you were planning back then. What prompted you to, I mean, writing a book is no small feat. What, what was the impetus? Tell us how this beautiful book came to life before we get into what it was in here. Okay. So actually the stories are intertwined. So mm -hmm. um, first of all, I never, ever thought ever in my wildest dreams, I would write a book, let alone uh -huh. two. Um, it's kind of crazy and wild and weird to like type in your name on Amazon and see yourself come up. That's crazy. Uh, anyway, after my mom died in, in uh, June of 2020, I, we, my mom had stage four, uh, thyroid cancer and it was metastasized all over her body. And we knew that she was not long for this world. And so being the organized, prepared person that I am, I was reading, I read the book by Dr. 
uh, Rabbi Maurice Slam, The Jewish Way and Death and Mourning. Mm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to prepare myself, right? right? So I know what to do. So I'm not caught off guard. And then sure enough, when my sister called me, I was like, uh-oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and my husband was like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Because in that moment, you can't think of what to do. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and it was paralyzing because I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to ask anybody else to do for me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't move forward. And I called my rabbi in New York and I live in Israel and I called my rabbi in New York and, or I sent him an email and usually he responds to emails like right away. And I sent it to the wrong email address and I didn't realize it. And he didn't oh, respond. No. So I called our rabbi here in Israel and I'm like, you know, I want to know what I want to, what to do. And he wasn't available either. Oh my. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. And this is like really time sensitive because I don't think I can make it. It was in the middle of Corona and I don't think I can make it back to America to go to the funeral. What do I do? So I called my parents rabbi (laughs) and I was like, what do I do? And that whole experience, he, Rabbi Rosenbaum was so kind. He was amazing and kind. And he took the time to talk to me and the problem with the conversation was, was I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what to ask him. And sure enough, as soon as I got off the phone with him, like, I didn't even think like, oh, I should take notes. Right. Because, you know, you're just having a conversation with your rabbi. Right. Like, right. So I got off the phone and I, even though I had like an idea, I wasn't like a hundred percent sure of what he said to me. Hmm. And I discussed with my husband and, you know, I tore Korea because I wasn't going to the funeral. I, I tore the ritual tearing of your clothes when a parent dies. And I realized after I was done sitting Shiva that like, I can't be the only one who's ever been in this situation where it's like, you don't know what to ask your rabbi because you don't know what you don't know, or you don't know what to ask any professional who you need advice from. And Mm -hmm. so you, you leave something on the table when you have a conversation with them, because you don't know if you missed out on anything because you didn't have enough background information. Mm -hmm. And so I decided like, okay, I'm going to write a checklist for everyone who, you know, needs to sit Shiva. And I'm like, well, then that's stupid because who's going to find that? How am I going to like, it's so morbid, like to advertise. Yeah. So I'm like, right. Okay, so I'm going to write like how to manage in the Jewish life cycles. I'm like, okay, that's like a small little ebook, right? Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, you know, everybody asks me, how do you get ready for Yom Tov and Pesach and, you know, all these different times of the year. So I'm like, okay, so I'll do it on the holidays and I'll do it on the Jewish life cycle events. And then I was writing, I was like, well, I kind of need more. <laughs> There were so many things that people talked to me. How do I set up my home? I just got married. How do I set up my home so it's organized? Or, you know, how do I manage doing laundry during Cholomoid? Like, what are mm-hmm. some tips and tricks so I don't have a mountain when I'm done, right? Or like, I don't know, how do I organize my finances? How do I organize my papers? How do I organize my files? Like, all these different things that didn't really fall into Jewish, you know, categories specifically, but are important you know, and you need to know. So I called my third section in the book, adulting, and that's how organized Jewish life was born. (laughs) It's so amazing because it is indeed so thorough. Um, It's not just about the Jewish life cycle or the Jewish events or holidays. It really does incorporate, like you said, things about setting up your home, your finances, giving birth, like forget that. Yes, we have to know about a bris and a this and a that, but like giving birth or adopting just those practice, just, just when I got 
my hands on the book, I said, this would make such a great gift, right? For somebody starting, <laughs> yes, like starting out. such a great gift for somebody starting out in life. And even I will go as far as to say, for those of us who, you know, came to Judaism, Jewish observance later in later. life, and so much of it is requires organization. I always kid around like really a, a Jewish woman has to be pretty organized to keep up with everything yeah. that goes on. Um, so, so what, but what you know were, what, Yael? yeah, I, I grew up religious and I remember standing with my mom, like at the Shabbos candles, Arab Yontif and, or the Yontif candles. Right. And it's like, okay, do we make Shekhyani tonight? Right. What do we say? Like, so it's not, and it's like, where do you find that information? Right. Cause you need it right this minute. So I put a right. chart in, like, do we say Shekhyani at this time when we're lighting right. candles? Like right. the idea, I'm a really visual person. I like seeing things laid out. So I put in all these charts and checklists because, you know, when you're standing there, you need the information muy pronto right away. Like, you know, and that's, that's what this is for. It's supposed to be a resource, like, Mm -hmm. you know, a mini handbook to the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A handbook, a handbook to the Bible. I like that. Yes. Yes, indeed. We, we come. And also because a lot of these things happen once a year or once right. in a lifetime or once every few years. Right. So, right. you know, you always need to review, but sometimes we don't have the time to do a thorough review. So then, okay, we got to this point. We just need the what, facts. Right. Just, I need the, what to do now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now I do want to ask you, Rebecca, were you an, are you a naturally organized person? Like this, this <sighs> stuff come naturally to you. Okay. So this is a really good question. I feel like I am naturally a planner and, and an organizer, but at the same time, I feel like I taught myself these skills Mm. or, or courses that I've taken over my life have taught, have improved my skills. So I think like, even if you don't have a natural tendency towards organization, you can still become an organized person because Mm. it's just activating the executive function section of your brain Mm. and, and learning these skills. And I think once you learn them, it's like, wow, uh, it's, it's a game changer, but I will say my dad, (laughs) when I was in high school, I used to like compulsively move my furniture around, always trying to maximize every space, inch of my space in my room. And my dad coined it that I had CFRD compulsive furniture rearranging disorder because like every week they would come into my room and it would be like different ways. Cause I was always trying to get the most out of the space. And like, I think some people are just wired that way. Like they're trying to get the Mm -hmm. most out of something. It's fine. It's me, but like, I definitely think that these are things that I've learned over time right? and it's been trial and error. Yeah. I, I, I don't consider myself like uber organized as much as just organized. Like I like things to be in order, mm-hmm. but I feel like I've developed the skill where I'm flexible enough to pivot when things don't go the way that I had planned them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's also a major part of learning to be organized. And it fits into my philosophy where if you have less stuff, it's easier to pivot. Yes, indeed. Such a challenge, right? Because especially when we raise a big family, just 
It's like stuff accumulates everywhere. Mind you that life itself, like talk about finances and all that stuff, like paperwork and that, and then everybody else's stuff. I feel like I'm constantly on top of the stuff in my home. Like get, like I just, I was just doing laundry because my, my household help didn't come the whole week. So I spent the morning preparing to talk to you by getting my house organized. So I was just doing laundry and I'm like, we haven't gotten rid of the skirt. This has to go. It's too small, right? Like I'm constantly having these like, Oh, wait, like, even though we do it periodically, just stuff creeps up. Right. It's true. We just went on vacation and I couldn't believe that we couldn't close our suitcases on the way home. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you, things happen over vacation. Like we got a pack of markers and a coloring book. Like it wasn't a big deal, but it's like, okay, well, that's something that we needed at the time and we got right. it. And now we have to decide, are we going to leave it? Are we going to take it? Like, what are we going to do with it? And I think that those are really important decisions, not in the, in the grand scheme of things, but in how we live our life day to day so that we can manage ourselves and, and, and manage so that we're not a slave to our things. Yeah. And I mean, from a financial perspective, spending on things isn't always a great investment, but what I find is that it's, Things only make us happy temporarily. Yes, right. it's true. In life, we need things. We need dishes. We need clothing. Clothes. We need shampoo. You know, we like books. we need these things. Yeah. Right. We need these things. But how much do we need? And I think what's really important is upfront when you're buying it, like, how will this fit into my life? Mm. You know, like, when I purchase something or when I decide to bring something into my home, even if I've gotten it secondhand or it was donated or I inherited it or however it came to me, right. when I bring something into my home, where will it live? Hmm. Where will it, you know, be used? Yeah. All these things you need to consider what will happen to it at the end of its lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't consider those things. And I think from a spending perspective, we would buy a lot less if we, had to designate a space in our home for something before we purchased it. <laughs> oh, yes. Interesting. But so like that, if you're, if you're not sure if you should buy something, here's my tip, <laughs> find it, envision, just stand in the store and imagine where's this going to go in my house? Like, mm-hmm. where can I find a space for this? How can I make this fit into my life? Because what happens is, is when we have too much stuff, we end up being slaves to our stuff. And we work for our stuff instead of our stuff working for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I don't think that's a Jewish value. And yeah. it certainly is not smart financially to be a slave right. to your things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. And, and, and now we, you know, this, this took us in the space management direction, but then there's this element of the time management, right? That is so, so applicable to this whole topic of organized Jewish life, because again, keeping up with the fact that we're making Shabbat and that we're raising children and we have homework to deal with. And then we have Chag and Yantav and whatever other life cycle event has happened. Like all of these things require time and energy and focus. And I think that's where we could get really, really overwhelmed, perhaps not, not knowing how much time things are going to take, or perhaps not knowing how to simplify things or do things repetitive. Like you talk about, right. you know, how your menu is pretty much the same. I have the same thing. Like my menu is pretty repetitive, right? Again, I've learned this with experience. I think the time piece is so, so important. Okay. So time is money and it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if you get paid by the hour or not, because the time that you're spending doing something you don't want to do mm-hmm. is 
not pleasurable for you. And it's right. not, and not that everything in life has to be full of joy, just that like, you know, I don't, I don't, I want to have a meal with my family, but I don't want to spend hours and hours making something that, you know, not that it's inconsequential to them, but just that it's not, it's not the main point of the family dinner. Like the uh-huh. food is important and we remember the food, but it doesn't have to be so fancy gourmet where everything on the plate is plated perfectly and we move it all in like this direction and right. wipe the plate clean. And like, it doesn't need to be that level of perfect for our family to enjoy it and have good, happy family memories. And mm-hmm. I also don't need to spend my time making food that is super complex uh, just so I can say that I did. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's your jam, great. Like go if ahead. that, right, right, right. You know, go ahead. If if you love that and that's what brings you joy, that's great. But I don't like standing in the kitchen. I don't have a great relationship with food myself. And so like, I don't want to stand there. And frankly, it's a lot of work to cook, you know, in that size portion when you're having 15 people at every meal, you know, like it's a lot of planning. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. Why not keep it simple? Everybody's going to be happy. Mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, cause yeah. they're there for you to spend right. time with you. And the food is just a bonus. And I think it's like remembering those small details where it's like, you, you get to decide where you want to spend your time and mm-hmm. who you want to spend it with. And I think most people don't want to spend their time cleaning their house or standing in their kitchen. Right. If you do more power to you, but there's something else that you don't want to do then. Mm -hmm. And I like spending time with my kids. I'm happy to go to the beach with them. Friday afternoons, my husband and I usually go for a walk on the beach. Like, that's great. That's how I want to spend my time with him. I don't want to spend my time with him fighting about how we're going to fit all the food into the refrigerator because we Mm -hmm. have so much, you know, like that doesn't make sense. So I keep it simple. It, it takes less time. It takes less energy and I don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's no, there's no purpose to reinventing the wheel every single time. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that tradition also makes holiday times very special. Like I remember the foods that my mom made for each holiday and it didn't matter if I liked them or not. That's what we ate. Right. And if you didn't like it, you went hungry. And this, um, a lot of times we're like, okay, well, I have this one main and then I have this other main because so-and-so doesn't like this one. And then the third person doesn't like the first two. So I made three things like not necessary. You know, if you want to beef up the meal, then make some extra salads. No one's going to go hungry. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, make it simple on yourself and everybody will be happy and they'll learn to like it unless there's like a real food allergy. Right. Um, yeah. And there's, there's some, so much comfort in like, yeah, I know my mother's Friday night soup and I know what she serves for the, yeah. you know, for the main. And I know like it's, it is kind of, it is comforting. It's not that it's super tasty, super gourmet. gourmet. It's just that that's what your mother makes. Feels like home. <laughs> you know, home. my mom always used to make stew for Rosh Hashanah. This, I don't know. It's like Simis style stew with like broad egg noodles. And I hated it. <laughs> but still when I smell it, and I, I'm feeling like compelled to make it even for Yom Tov. I didn't even like it. Right. 
There you go. But to me, that's Rosh Hashanah, you know, right. like, yes, we're, we're in agreement that simplifying our yuntav meals and our Shabbat meals and kind of working with repetition, right, is amazing. But tell me something, what about meal planning? Are you into meal planning? Like, should we all be jumping this train? Because I, I failed at that miserably. And I okay. know I should improve. Like, <laughs> Is that something we should all be doing? So I am not a great meal planner, actually, Uh because (laughs) that's refreshing. I hate hate dealing with food, right? Food is like, like, as I mentioned, food is like an issue for me. So I'm okay with putting that all out on my sleeve. Like I know how to do it and I can do it, but like just thinking about so much food gives me like a hard time. So actually Mm -hmm. it's something that I gave over to my husband Uh because, so I still do like, cooking for Yom Tov or Shabbos, but during the week he handles the food. It has been a game changer for me because like I said, I don't have a great relationship with it and I couldn't manage thinking about all food all the time. Mm -hmm. Like it was just getting to be too after, you know, I mean, now we're married for 20 years, but at the time I handed over it to handed it over to him around the 18 year mark. I was like, I just can't anymore. I just can't. And he was like, okay, I'll do it. And, you know, our kids are older, they help too. So it's less of a stress. I know it bothers him. And we talked about meal planning, but he's very, he's also very good. He has his own way of doing it. And I don't step on his toes. Mm -hmm. Um, But we talk about it, like we make shopping lists, we're planning the recipes, we know what we're making for Shabbos. And because we have a fairly regular routine of the things we make for Shabbos, even though it's not a formal meal plan, he knows how to like rinse and repeat. Right, right, right. It's so interesting you you described it this way because I have a similar thing going where I, for example, well, first of all, I don't enjoy cooking so much even though I'm fine doing it, but it's not like my, oh, I'm going to go relax in the kitchen. Like that's not my idea of fun whatsoever. I do it because I have to kind of thing, right? Because somebody has to feed everybody. But if I didn't have to, I wouldn't. But more than that, I really do not enjoy grocery shopping. Like that is like my one thing that it just. So if you don't enjoy it, then oh, meal I... planning is perfect for you because yeah, you well, can just yeah order it all. Yes. But you know, when we did the whole ordering thing, sometimes there's so many mistakes and they leave things yeah. behind and then, then, then your whole meal plan is kind of like thrown off kilter. What works right now is some things we do order. But my husband doesn't mind going to the store at all, especially if he has a list of what he's not a shopper. So he's not the type of person who's going to go roam around the store and find the new product, the new this and kind of like come with like a hundred things that we hadn't budgeted for or anything. No, he just sticks to the list. He knows exactly what we like at home, what we eat. And that's what he sticks to. And it works perfectly for us. Yeah. We stay so much more on food budget now that he's grocery shopping, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Because I would just be like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll think about what I'm going to make. And I like to be creative in the kitchen, but food was just becoming a trigger for me. And I, yeah. I needed to take that off my proverbial plate. And right. yeah. I think it's benefited us in a very real way. Right. Which really brings us to another important topic of this whole organized Jewish life conversation, asking for help. We're not so good at that women sometimes. And I know you mentioned it several times in the book. It's also something that's so important as members of a community. Yes. We have people to lean on. People are willing to help, but then we also have to ask for the help. Right. And then of course we can get into like, there's ways to help better than others, right? And offering to help, right? But talk to us a little bit about that, because I think this is something that perhaps we can all improve on. Like, yes, part of being organized is 
knowing what to what you need and knowing what to ask and then actually asking people for help. So that is one of the things that I realized was like, because I didn't know what to do in the situation, I didn't know what to ask for. And I think that that's most people's problems, right? It's not necessarily that they don't want to get help or ask for help. They don't really know what to ask for. And they're not really sure what people can provide them. Right. Right. And I mean, when you ask for help, the worst thing that some that will happen is someone will say no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the key really is understanding who your friends are and what they're capable of Mm -hmm. and knowing what to ask them for. Right. Um, And being organized helps you know the answer to that. Right. And and, and having a resource like this helps, you know, oh, I'm going to need these things and I'm going to need them 10 days before the event or two days before the event. Oh, now I know I could ask my friend, whatever her name is, because she's so good at that. Right. Right. And I think like everybody wants to help you. Right. You know, people want to be involved because they're your friends and they love mm-hmm. you. And like, right. you know, there are some people who don't, I can't make that blanket okay. statement for everybody, but they'll say no. Right. Now I want to ask you, what was your favorite? I mean, this is such a thorough book. What was this? Was there a part <laughs> that was your favorite part to write? Was there a section that you was like your favorite? I think the the third section is my favorite section. Adulting? The adulting section. Uh-huh. Because it's like, that's my, that's my like real wheelhouse. What I found is that a lot of my clients, like I get to someone's house and I'm like, well, didn't you do X, Y, Z? And they're like, you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, you could do that. And it was like crazy things like. Like what? Getting renter's insurance. Mm. <laughs> like, why don't you call and make a claim on your renter's insurance that you had a flood and everything got damaged, right? Oh, I didn't know you could get renter's insurance or how much insurance do you need or, um, what, how to organize your papers. Mm-hmm. I am very environmentally conscious. So I love writing the section on zero waste, even though it's small, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know that section is, I think my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember you are very into zero waste, which I totally admire. And speaking of that, I mean, zero waste saves so much money. Really? It totally does. If you think about just like simple things, like, I don't know if you buy bottled water, but like, no, well now we started buying, like we get the deliveries of that, like those big things. I mean, not having to deal with plastic bottles all the time. We used to buy seltzer. Okay. Yeah, so we don't. Here, here in Israel, they call it soda, but we yeah. used to buy seltzer. And I remember just like schlepping all the bottles. And at the end we would, we lived in New York. So we had the bottle deposit, right. And we would take the bottles back. It's such a waste of time, not right. to mention energy. And you got to store that all, you know, until it gets used. But when we have a soda stream, it's like, you just make it whenever you want it. And I don't just schlep anything. The only thing I have to do mm-hmm. is get the canister, but they put those on like a delivery option. Mm-hmm. They pick up the the old ones and bring you new ones. Like it's so easy and there's just so much less waste involved or like female hygiene products mm-hmm. that are reusable save so much money. I mean, the pink tax is just yeah <laughs> astronomical and, you know, it's not, I mean, in a year you could spend a thousand dollars on pads and tampons and like, yeah. if you have a cup or reusable pads, it's just, it's a one-time thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a tiny bit of work. You got to wash it. But like in the long run, it doesn't take any more time, really. A safety razor, 
Yes. Instead of buying the plastic cartridges, those cost like $5 a head. Mm-hmm. Like a pack of metal, a hundred pack of blades and a safety razor cost $5. Like it's just, you can't compare. It's so right. much less expensive, but the beauty of it really is that you are almost never without. Yes. correct. And you don't have to replenish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is from an organizational perspective. So liberating. Huge because it's like, I don't run out of razors and right. I always have a cup and, right. you know, the seltzer's always there. It's right, right. almost like it's on tap, you know, and that's great. I love that because it's free. So, it, it can free so much energy and space. Yeah. Like, like there are so many things I just don't think about anymore. I don't think, oh, I have to go to the store and buy razors and shampoo. And, you know, I use shampoo bars. So those actually mm-hmm. last a lot longer than bottles, but I don't buy razors. I don't buy period products. I don't buy, uh, paper towels. We use reusable. We just wash the cloths and like, it's huge. Wow. It's just a huge difference. And you know what else? We take out the trash and the recycling less, Mm -hmm. For sure. which seems like such a small petty thing, but it's like, how much money are you spending on garbage bags? I know it's a small thing, but like you're spending money to throw your trash away for a bag mm-hmm. to throw away. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we still yeah. have trash, of course, but yeah. it's been a game changer for us. Really, really, truly. Before we go on with this amazing interview, let me introduce you to a podcast that I think you might enjoy. Hi, my name is Jordana and welcome to Drink It In the podcast. I am an experienced educator with an engaging and entertaining way of interacting with others. I spent years working on providing thoughts that translate into inspiration. I have one very simple goal, get you inspired. This podcast is my latest endeavor as we discuss all kinds of interesting topics covering all genres. Come ride with us on the Drink It In podcast. What are you waiting for? Grab a glass, a cup of coffee, and let's get to it. Available everywhere podcasts are. Check out even more at maverickpodcasting.com. So, so interesting. I, I remember having a conversation with you years ago on the podcast about the paper goods and all that. And I remember yeah. we, we, neither of us are, are big into that, but you've definitely like evolved since then. I, I'm so happy to hear it because I'm always inspired to, you know, do more on that realm, but you definitely inspire me. Definitely inspire me. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm so glad. <laughs> and, and then there's this aspect of, you know, the paperwork, right? And even though we we are in a digital world and there's still like, you know, I have folders with everything. Like there's, you know, there's things that you have to have, right? Yeah. Like, and then I try to keep everything or also digitally and scanned, but sometimes the paperwork can just overwhelm even the most organized of us, right? In Israel, you have to still keep everything in paper. Uh-huh. Like 
if you're a business owner, you have to have all the receipts and paper. It's mm-hmm. so annoying, but like, whatever, it is what it is. Right. So you have to manage them in an organized way. How you mm-hmm. do that, it depends on what way feels comfortable for you. But, and there's a lot of different methods, but, uh, and I do talk about them in the book, but, and this is a big, but like wherever you can eliminate paper, that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Like, right. because if you can keep digital files instead, it just makes life easier. And the greatest thing about digital files is with metadata and like file names and stuff, you can make the search parameters very large Mm -hmm. so that you have a lot of options for how to name things and search for things so that you can find what you need when you need it. Mm. So for example, if you save your kids report cards. Okay. For, Mm -hmm. for, for a lot of reasons you need to to do that. You're saving your kids report cards. Well, cause I don't, (laughs) well here, like I had to save like a couple of years of report cards for, for getting them into their next year of school. Right. You need Mm -hmm. to save between and you need to submit them digitally. So they're there, but you want to be able to find the files when you need them. So saving them with file names that have more data, attached to them makes the search function on your computer easier to use Mm. versus like paper where it's like, Oh, well, what did I file that under? Right. You know, if you can't remember what you file something under digitally, there's a lot more ways to search for it. Plus now PDF has this really great capability where you can search within documents for Mm. things. Mm. Right. So it's, it's a game changer, I think. That's a really, really good point. Yeah, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it like that. I try to keep everything digital, but I hadn't thought about the fact that, yeah, it's more searchable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have to, re- you don't have to depend as much on your memory on like your, how, how were you, how were you thinking into at that storing time? things yeah. at that time, right? How yeah. were, how was I thinking at that time? Yeah. Good to know. Um, and now that we're on digital and we'll, we'll get into the Jewish stuff in a minute, but, um, Please give me a tip for myself and for listeners on email. Rebecca, like, seriously, I don't know. I just spent about a month ago hours cleaning up my inbox. And I was like, how do people keep up with this? And a friend of mine, actually a mutually friend of ours says, imagine if all those emails were paper, Yael. That is disgusting. Your house would be covered. And it was so true. I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. So I think that I don't, I don't hold by inbox zero Uh because I mean, for a lot of people it's attainable, uh, but I like to use my mail as a to-do list because it's the place that I'm looking at every day. So Mm -hmm. I keep my inbox at around 50 emails because I have Mm -hmm. things that are in transit. Like I keep all my meeting requests there so I can click on the zoom links and see them and whatever. Um, that works for me. What I have found for most people and a lot of my clients have upwards of 10,000 emails in their inbox. I mean, and a lot of times the 10,000 is the unread number. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm at, I'm at 50, I'm looking now I'm at 55, 57 right now unread. And that's after I've done the cleaning. It's like, seriously. So there's a lot of ways you can manage that. Um, the best way is to start unsubscribing to things. Yeah. It's probably most I, of it is junk. Right. Um, if you have email on your phone, sync it with your 
desktop. Mm-hmm. And when you delete on your phone, it deletes on your desktop. Mm-hmm. That will also help. Uh, one of the important things besides for unsubscribing is archiving. You don't have to delete the email. It just can't sit in your inbox. You have the same search capability. Right. Once you read it, take care of it, and then archive it as you do if it's in your inbox. And it's much less stressful to see a lower number in your inbox than to see 27,000. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Moving it to those folders is like it's yeah. a total game changer. I I saw someone this week actually who said they make three different kinds of folders, one for like to do, one for done, and one for um, like need to follow up with kind of situations. That to me is very confusing. Uh, I don't, I don't like to overcomplicate things. Anything that comes into my inbox, if it's trash, it gets deleted right away. Right. If I don't necessarily need it in my inbox anymore, but I want to make sure I find it very quickly. Like, so for example, the last copy of my book in the digital format, that email from my typesetter has a star. Mm -hmm. Like I starred that message and that's in the special starred messages. So I don't have to search through in the archives, hundreds of messages from, from Julie, my amazing typesetter to find the the most recent copy of the book, right? Mm -hmm. This way it's, it's easy to find that one email from Julie and anything that I have done, but that I don't need anymore, I delete and anything that I finished but I might want to reference in the future. Like I made an agreement with somebody, the agreement's done, but in case something came back to me and it wasn't like whatever, what we agreed on or whatever, then those emails I archive. Mm -hmm. And that enables me to have always less than a hundred emails, but it's usually hovering around 50. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's manageable for me. And because I'm looking at my emails several times a day, uh, you know, I don't, I don't typically lose things that way. You know, sometimes things slip through, especially after you've been on vacation and you have a thousand emails that are waiting for you to deal with. And, you know, that can be troublesome sometimes, but typically it's faster to unsubscribe from the list. If you have Gmail, you can automatically set up folders where you can move all those things to promotion Mm -hmm. and then they don't even have to come directly into your inbox. And if you want to, tab over there, you can. And if you don't, right. I'll have to. Right, 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 right. Um, I want to ask you about going back to the money piece. Um, what are some of the things that, and I know you talk about things in the book, um, and to, especially in your uh, adulting sec- section, what are some of the things that we talked about saving money, you know, being zero waste and, you know, what we discussed about going to the, the store, you know, our spouses sometimes are better at that because they'll just go with the list rather than us roaming around. But what are some other things that you can tell us that really getting organized in has a big impact when it comes to our bottom line? That's a great question. Um, what I have just found is that it saves us from duplication. Mm. So for example, uh, if you have too much stuff, a lot of times you're like, where is this dress Yes, or the carrot peeler or the Tupperware stapler? Right. Yeah. So you can't find it. You've looked everywhere. You go to the store, you buy a new one, or now you just one click it on Amazon. It's there in a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And then a couple hours later, you're like, oh, there it was. Mm -hmm. And now you have two and they're both working. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? 
if you're organized, things like that don't happen Mm -hmm. because, or they happen less frequently because, and it's not even about being organized as much as having a system and curating your best collection of objects, Mm -hmm. because when you know what you have and you know where it all lives, you can find it. Mm-hmm. And where every, when everybody knows in your house where it lives, they can find it too. Right. And the best part is, is they can put it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. They, know, we hope. they know exactly where it goes. There's no excuses. <laughs> yeah. I definitely love Yeah. Everything has to have a place where it lives, <laughs> yeah. which, which goes back. Yeah. Sorry. I just want to say to your credit, there is a section in the book that I, I put in for you uh, in the marriage section, um, talking to your spouse about, or your potential spouse about money. I put it in, I even mentioned you, and I just want to say it's to your credit. It's to our discussion to talk about money when you're in the dating phases, Yes, because it's so important that you have a partner that you're compatible with money. And, um, it's something that I've heard from you so many times and I just, I couldn't leave it out because I felt like it was so important. So that's Thank to you. your credit and, um, it's in there because you were in my thoughts when I was writing that section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's so important. And then and it's an ongoing conversation with like you and I have discussed, right? It's an, yeah. o- an ongoing conversation with us, our spouses, because we're constantly making financial decisions. And, and there, it's just, a, it all boils down to organization, right? Like these financial yes. decisions is how are we organizing this expense, you know, this allocation of money, right? When is it happening? What is the system? through which it's happening. It's all the same skill set. And I will say, because of you on our anniversary every year, we talk about like where we're at financially, like what we hope to accomplish. Like it's something that we have integrated into, into our relationship and our anniversary. uh, I mean, it doesn't seem romantic, but it kind of is. It's like, we're planning for our future. Like we're Mm continuing, continuing our commitment to our relationship by discussing what we hope will happen in five years or 10 years. And, you know, that is always changing because life is changing and our goals today are not the same goals we had five years ago necessarily. But uh, the beauty of it is, is that we can freely talk about it. And actually, even though we don't always manage money in the same way, we're on the same page about it. And it's actually something um, because I think we've adopted this sort of mindset around it. It's not something we fight a lot about. Right. Right. Which is great. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it makes sense because it, it because it be, if it becomes an ongoing, healthy, productive conversation, then again, well, of course, we're always going to be different, but it's like, we are, we're understanding each other. We know where we're going. We know what the goals are. We know what we want to achieve. And then we can, you know, um, just, talk our way through the whole, the whole thing instead of yeah, fighting. But it's it. really in your merit that that's in there. Just so that's you know. So cool. Well, I appreciate that. I totally appreciate that. Now let's, um, of, of these things, like if you would say, listen, of the women who I know your favorite part is the adulting. Okay. But let's say somebody right now is, you know, we have Tishrei coming, right. right. Um, and that tends to that tends to be a pretty hectic time of year, both Passover, 
Tishrei, those are the high stressors for people because it really tests organization skills. There's a lot of meals to cook. There's family coming over. There's p- kids need clothing. We need clothing. Like there's a lot going on. It's usually right back to back with also back to school. So we're already in a frenzy. There's, there's just been like this constant, you know, um, depletion of energy, let's just say like doing things. So take us, take us to that section, take us to, to Tishrei, to this time of year, what could we be doing better right now so that we come to Tishrei and we can actually enjoy kind of like what you were describing before, right? We want to be present in those meals. We want to be, we want to have the guests that we wanted to have rather than, Oh no, I never got to invite anyone. I just didn't have time, you know? And it's like the day before, right? Like, (laughs) <laughs> and no one wants to be invited the day before either. Right. Everybody feel, you know, it doesn't feel good. Um, okay. So actually I just sent an email out to my list today about this, uh, five things you can do now to start to get ready for, uh, Yom Tov. Amazing. The, the main thing that you can start to do early is start planning your menus, check the grocery stores for sales. When you're cooking for Shabbos now, make two of everything oh. and put one in the freezer. You know, like go ahead and do some of the prep work now. It doesn't all have to be at the last minute. And so at least if your, if your menu is planned, let's say, Mm -hmm. or, or, well, first of all, if you're doing it this year for the first time, then plan your menus, plan your guest list, plan your shopping list. As you see things now, you will be able to purchase on sale, right? Mm -hmm. For the future. You just rinse and repeat. Yeah. And so you, those same list. So, so like Rosh Chodesh uh, Tishrei, you pull out your list and you're like, okay, I'm going to just do this again. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to start every Yom Tov new. Now you can make every Yom Tov different and that's fine, but you can repeat it every year because that's where the traditions come from. That's right. what we love about our holidays. It's like right. That on this time of, you know, on Rosh Hashanah, we have Simmons, right. On, on Sukkot, we have, um, uh, stuffed cabbage. cabbage. Right. Like these are the things, you know, that we become accustomed to and we expect mm-hmm. to have during these times on Perm Way of Hamantashen, right? Like it's okay. <laughs> you don't have to reinvent the wheel. If you want to put a new take on it or a new twist or something becomes unavailable, great. But, you know, keep it simple and it will be much more enjoyable in the long run. And, and however you can start to prep yourself now, now is a great time to check everybody's closets, make sure everybody has clothes they need. So, and that everything went to the dry cleaners so that you don't have to be like Erev Pesach or Erev uh, Rosh Hashanah. Did I stop at the dry cleaners? Did I get the Kindle? Did I get my dress? Did, you know, whatever it was. Now's the time to set yourself up for success and, you know, take care of those tasks that are less time sensitive or that you can do in advance and save. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I love that. I love that. And, and, you know, you just reminded me about writing all those menus now, just having those lists on your Google drive. It's, it's also kind of like your budget. Like I, so many years I've already, I've, I've, I know how much I've spent on Tishrei and on Passover that it's, I just have to reference back. Like I know exactly what it's going to cost me because I've had maybe not this year, <laughs> right? Maybe not this year. Maybe when not when you have inflation. Okay, so now I'll yeah. double it. <laughs> yeah, but but that's the thing. Right. You know how much to expect. You know that we have a recession on, so you right. know you have to budget more money this right. year. 
for right. that. So it has to come from someplace else, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and now you can think about it in that way because you say like, okay, last year I spent two thousand right. dollars. This year I'll probably spend three, but like, right. at least I know where that extra thousand can come from, or mm-hmm. five hundred more, whatever. Right. But you know, the point is, is that um, that helps you pivot and flex when you mm-hmm. when you have the base. You can, you can move more freely when you need to be adaptive right? instead right. of being reactive. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's important too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Now I have to ask you, and I'm sure I've asked you this before, but I don't remember, <laughs> but it can't, we all sometimes make mistakes and there are challenges. I have to hear like, if there's been like anything that you've like said, I can't believe like I did that, especially when it comes to maybe organizing your finances, right? Since this, we're talking, this is a show about money, right? Is there anything that you say now looking back, okay, I better tell my children not to make that mistake or I, you know, my, <laughs> I wish I'd known and I hadn't done that. Well, I think one of the things we talk about more freely with, with our kids is money. Mm-hmm. And based on a conversation we want, we've had before, um, shortly after that conversation, my son got a job Mm. and he's almost 16. And, uh, we had a discussion. This is how much you give to Sadaka right off the top, right? This is how much is going into savings and the rest you can spend however you want. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like, he's a, he, my my other two kids are savers, but he's a spender. And I think that that was really like, eye-opening for him. I think the best thing we can do is just talk to our kids about everything. And when we don't, that's where we end up having places that we have regret. Like Mm -hmm. those are the pockets of regret. Like if we talk to our kids about money, if we talk to our kids about our ideals about Judaism, if we talk to our kids about like, it's important. And if we don't tell them, they won't know mm-hmm. what we think about something. And then they'll just be taking a stab in the dark. You know, when I went to college, I didn't, my parents, my dad took, I think it was my dad, pretty sure it was my dad took me to the bank. We opened up a bank account and he's like, okay, here you go. And he put some money in it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now what do I do? Right. He didn't tell me how, I mean, he's a great dad. Okay. And I'm not, trying to say anything negative about him, but like, I didn't know how to balance my checkbook. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know how to do the debits and the transactions Mm -hmm. and like to manage that financially because my parents didn't talk to us about that. It wasn't something we talked about. So Mm -hmm. like, how would I know? I didn't know how to do the laundry. I I happened to have been dating uh, my husband at the time that I went to college and I called him up and I'm like, I'm really embarrassed, but I don't know how to use the washing machine. <laughs> did he know? He did because his parents taught him. So <laughs> he told me like when he was 12 or 13, his dad took him into the basement. And it's like, here's the washing machine. Get acquainted. You're going to be doing your laundry from now on. It's empowering to let our kids do those things. And, um, you know, so yeah, one of the things that I have learned from, that my, I think money was sort of a trigger for my mom and uh, my dad, I don't know, it wasn't a trigger for him, but he just, I guess, thought like, hey, you're a smart kid. You must know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of us think. Like, oh, yes. you're smart. You just sort of know these things, right? Right, right. 
And, but like, we can't assume that just because our kids are smart, that they know things. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do, but we still have a responsibility to be like, this is how it is. Yeah. 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 You just reminded me. I just, yesterday I dropped off my, my daughter in high school. I didn't tell you this, but I just dropped her off. Like literally I'm coming off a plane almost. <laughs> um, and we had to have this conversation is how much money am I giving you a month? And right. here's your debit card and this is how you use it. And you're going to have an app on your exactly. phone so that you can check what's your balance and you can budget for yourself. You know, can I afford to buy this now? If I have three more weeks left of the month and exactly. until my mother, and they need the money. to know, right. They need to know. They need to know that it's just like, you know, having a job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I did forget to go check yeah. out the laundry downstairs and see oh, no. how to, get to teach her how to work out the machines. She knows how to work the machines at home, but okay, fine. The other girls in the dorm. Someone figure. else will know, but it's they'll, okay. They'll figure it out. I'm sure. <laughs> that Hilarious. is hysterical. That is hysterical. Okay. So yeah, so I get that. So having those conversations definitely can save us from mistakes. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I read here somewhere in the book that um, something along those lines where you felt like you, you were super independent, but on the other hand, you, you know, when you didn't know to, to, when you, when you didn't know things, you didn't know to come to your parents to ask, like, right. it was almost like you wanted to get it right. And if you were failing, you didn't want to let anybody know that you were failing and they would have volunteered the information. Gladly. My parents love me and they of course want to teach me. And there's so much that they taught me, but like, sometimes you don't, again, you don't know what you don't know till you're in the situation and you're like, okay, how do I do this? Right, 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 right. And right. so like this, that's really what I want, what I hoped for. And in my mother's merit, I hope that this book really helps people get the information they need when they need it mm-hmm. or figure out how to get more information from these starter questions, because like, it's okay to ask for help. It's, you know, it's important that we ask for help. We need to do it. Just, we need to know what to ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Which is and why like, I, I love your system of having all the, all the, the, you break it down into pieces and checklists. It's just so, so helpful. Um, again, because it tells us what we need to be asking for. Now I do want to ask you before we start yeah. wrapping it up about partner. We talked about our husband. What about the woman who's listening and says, well, okay, I'm trying to be organized. I'm trying to keep up with everything, but my partner is just not organized. Right. <laughs> like, they're not helpful. They just doesn't come. It's not their thing. I guess it depends on what realm that's happening. Mm-hmm. But in general, if they're just, if they're cluttered and disorganized and willing to help, what I always tell women is focus on yourself. Yeah. Get your stuff in order, clean up your space, make space. I always say make space for abundance to come into your life. Mm let God handle the rest. Like everybody in your house is going to get on board. So I do these things called power hours, which are group decluttering sessions. Oh, tell us about it. Um, it's so funny because the kids over the ladies who have been doing this for a while. No, they're like, mommy, are you on power hours? (laughs) (laughs) They can tell and, or they can tell when their mom did a power hours that day because like, like the kids know, the kids want to get on the power hours with the moms. Wow. Like they, they want to spend that half hour with me making their, their stuff, uh, organized. They, the husbands want it too. 
Like mm-hmm. most people crave order, order. and routine. Right. And they just don't know how to get it. Right. So if you can lead by example in your home, that's going to make all the difference mm-hmm. for your family. And it's uh, a ripple effect. Yes. It's funny because now that I live in Israel, I can't speak English and I can't speak Hebrew. <laughs> I was like trying to think of the word in English and sometimes it comes up in Hebrew. It's a ripple effect, you know, and it's like you start with you, it spreads out to everybody in your house. Mm -hmm. It might be slow, but it will spread. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. So how do, how do these power hours work? Like, tell us like, like, how do do they connect on a phone line with you and you give them music and they start, how does this work? (laughs) So uh, it's a zoom call and you log on. And a lot of times people send me emails with pictures of their space in advance. So I already know what I'm looking at. We make a plan for how you can organize that space. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what to do. And then every 15 minutes, I check on you to see where you're at. After you started like the initial stage, I'll walk you through what each next step is. So, oh, you did this. Now it's time to do this. And now it's time to do this. Uh And what's really good about them is two things. There's accountability. So I'm holding you responsible. You paid for the time. So you're going to show up because you want to get your money's worth. Right. Right. And I'm standing there holding you accountable. But the other thing that really makes it worthwhile and make it work is that everybody on the call is doing the same thing as you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel so lonely and no FOMO. <laughs> right? Because and you're learning from other people mm-hmm. because they're in the same situation as you. Now, some of the ladies just use the time to clean. Some yeah. of them use it because they have ADHD and they just need help getting their tasks done. So it's organizing themselves, cooking for Shabbos. So I'll go through their their menu with them and I'll say, okay, cook this first and then this and then this. Oh. Or or they need to get laundry and dishes and cooking done. So it's put the laundry in, put the dishes in, you know, mm-hmm. or if they're actually decluttering, then it's like, Rebecca, do I need to hold on to this? Mm-hmm. Or is it okay? A lot of times people just want permission. Can you give me yeah. permission to let go of this? Yes, you have my permission. Go ahead. You don't need it. And then I say to them, you know, make space for the abundance to come to you. Oh my gosh. And, I love that. And they really, really work. And the thing about them is that I design them so that they're cost effective because mm-hmm. for a lot of people spending, you know, $10,000 to have someone come to your house is not reasonable or even $5,000 or even $300 for one day. Like it's not, it's too much for them. So this is something ongoing where you can get support for a really reasonable amount. I mean, the mm-hmm. lowest monthly membership cost is $40 a month. So wow. you're really getting a lot of support for not a lot of money. Yeah. And Cause when I looked at it, I, I said to myself, like, how can I help the most people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and still help my family? Right? right. And this to me was the way that I could do it because if I'm just helping one person one at a time, like it's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah. You know, there are so many people who need help. And, and I love that because it's, it, it, it's teaching them how to fish. It's, it's different yeah. from you can go one time and do, you know, a charge them a lot of money to get their entire house amazingly organized, but they still haven't developed the skill to keep exactly. that up. This is exactly. really training you to do this. It's beautiful. 
And, and so a lot of women like scale down their membership from like going four times a month to going like once a month, just because they want to do the maintenance, but some of them keep it, even though they don't necessarily strictly need it because they like the accountability, Mm -hmm. but they like knowing that I'm holding their hand, even though they're doing it themselves. They also like the confidence of feeling how far they've come. Amazing. Which is huge. It's huge. It's so beautiful. And and this whole conversation has brought me back to this idea that Judaism is actually so big in order. If you think about it, right? All of Jewish life is structured. Your day is structured to have a Seder. Um, You know, so it it is a value. It is something for, there's definitely something for us to reflect on and push ourselves. If we're not, if, if we feel like that's not naturally our strong suit, I think we have to take um, example from Judaism that, that it is important. It is important for us to get ourselves organized, manage our time wisely, manage our money wisely, you know, um, I guess because we're here to make a contribution and the, the, be- the better we are at managing our stuff, our time, our money, the bigger our contribution we're making throughout our day. But more importantly, like, what organization has allowed me to do personally is improve my relationship to God. Mm. And because it gives me the time because I have systems set up in place. Like I can pray in the morning. I can learn. I can be there for my community because I'm not worried about all All the the other stuff. Right. Right. Agreed. 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 So, so true. So true. Beautiful, beautiful. Rebecca, I want to, I want to ask you, um, Jewish money matters fill in the blanks. And again, okay. this, I'm looking at this book and I just, it, I want to, I would just gonna show, I was going to say to everybody, the Jew, organized Jewish life, the essential guide for planning Jewish holidays, events, and every day. It really is an everyday. Like it's so, there is so much here. This is literally, everybody has to get it, but enough of bragging. Let's wrap it up with Jewish money matters to fill in the blanks. Number one is when I give my sir or tzedakah, I like to give to, I like to give to people that I know. Right. Nice. I remember actually what I said on uh Jewish Latin princess, which was that I like to give to Leket and I still like to give to Leket, mm-hmm. but I do have some friends who are in need at this time. And like, it makes me happy knowing that I am directly affecting people that you know, have a need. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. I'd love to make more money because it allows me to serve my tribe better. Mm, Yeah. Something I wish I'd learned about money growing up is how to balance my checkbook. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, All right. I wish, I wish I had learned to not be scared of it. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I wish I knew that money was had no feelings, like all the things you always say, I I gain a lot from that. Like, I wish that money didn't care what I looked like, or or that I knew that money doesn't care about any of the things that I think it cares about. Right. Like, yeah. So yeah, I wish, I wish I knew that it was neutral and just a tool to get me to where I needed to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Money, spiritual or physical? I think for me it's physical right now, but I, Mm -hmm. I hope that it's more spiritual. I mean, I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could always say both, right? (laughs) I always say it's both myself. That's my personal opinion. I mean, having money allows me, allows me to fulfill the physical needs so that I can also fulfill my spiritual needs. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Something I splurge on unapologetically is buying things that are better for the environment. Mm. So when I'm shopping, I'm thinking about the life cycle of what I'm buying. And I would rather spend a little bit more if a company took the time to put something 
in a glass container over a plastic container, let's say. It's better for my health. It's better for the environment. Or picking products that are designed more eco-friendly and Mm -hmm. also that are made in a way that workers are not suffering. So I will spend more on a piece of clothing that I know was made ethically and responsibly than I'll refuse to walk into a fast fashion place. And I have no qualms about it. I mean, there there have been times that I've needed to do it for necessity, like it's urgent, but- you know, cause you needed some, I needed something right this minute, but most of the time I I'm planning it out and I can plan my purchases so that I'm purchasing in a way that makes me feel aligned ethically with my values. I did not know that. And for also for your children. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a little bit harder. Right. I, that's why I asked, but actually on our last trip to America, uh, we hit all the thrift shops and I loved it. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and fun. It was so fun for them. And I didn't have to it, it was just fun for them. It was just like a great experience. And it's not as easy as walking into, you know, sure. a store right now. It, it does take a little bit of work, but I, I always try to stay away from brands that I know are really bad. Mm-hmm. I'll try to pick the middle of the road if I have to buy something, but you know, yeah, wow. it's, it's something that I'm working really hard to, to do overall. And having a capsule wardrobe helps with doing that. A capsule wardrobe defined. Yeah. Oh, so it's like a couple of core pieces that you have all the pieces match. So you have like a limited supply, but most of us are wearing the same things most of the time anyway. So I found that like, it's great because when I'm packing for a trip, I bring everything from my closet, except for the out of season clothes, of course, Mm -hmm. there's almost nothing left in my closet. And like, I know exactly what I have and I, it's one less decision to make. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I love like it. Music to my ears when you said like one less decision to make. Yeah. Like we have to make a lot of decisions and me, why not tell you that? For yeah. sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Last week, as I was getting ready to send my daughter off to high school and my son off to yeshiva, I told my husband, I don't have another space <laughs> in my brain to make another decision. Like, don't ask me. She's like, what do you think about this? What do you, I can't think I, I cannot give you opinions because I have so much on my brain right now. I can't yeah. decide on anything. A good portion of the successful people that you can think of have capsule wardrobes or they have, they have a pared down uniform. Right. So like Mark Zuckerberg, president right. Obama, uh, Diane von Furstenberg, like they're all wearing the same thing all the time. So they don't have to think about what they're wearing. They still look good, mm-hmm. but they're focused on the bigger issues. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think about it. I get dressed and I do what I need to do without yeah. thinking. I just pull the next dress out or I wear something twice or, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spender or saver? I'm a spender. You are? I am. Wait, you are? Okay. That totally took me by surprise. I did not know that. No, I like, I, it takes a lot of effort for me to hold myself back. But uh, I love shiny new things, but I'm getting better at it (laughs) about not shiny new things. (laughs) Nice, nice. Today, I'm most grateful for. I am most grateful for the journey that I have been on because it brought me to where I am. And even though there are some things that I think I want to change, I'm not sure that I would actually change anything. Wow. Uh, Because life is hard a lot of the time. But I feel like I come out a better person by going through things that are hard. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm glad to be where I am 
and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm here. You know, it's so beautiful you said that because this book is kind of a testament to that actually, right? Because <laughs> it came out of your experience yeah. of losing your mother, which I know was not an easy experience. And the last thing you knew is that it would bring you to such it an incredible- It brought me to something I never thought I would ever do. But, it, right? but, but the process of doing that too is like, I learned so much in the process and I grew so much as a person and mm-hmm. yeah, I made mistakes. I made, especially with this book, I made a lot of mistakes and it was way over budget. And like, that's where the spending habit comes in. It's like, ah, we're over budget. No problem. God will provide. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> but I learned something from it. I'm not saying I'm going to go out there and be a coach on how to public self-publish your book. Right. But like I learned and now I can decide, like, I'm kind of thinking about a second book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Finally, I am Rebecca Saltzman and I believe Jewish money matters because, because it directly relates to our relationship with God. Hmm. I love that answer. You yeah. Stand on that. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about before, money is a tool. God gives it to us to fulfill our uh, tafkid, our um, our purpose, mm-hmm. and bring us closer to Him. Like mm-hmm. when we don't have to focus on that aspect, or we believe that He will give us what we need. Mm-hmm it frees us to focus on the things that matter. And and this is true um, in decluttering an organization too. When you let go of the things that aren't serving you, it frees you to accept abundance from God. And if you believe like he gave it to me once, he can give it to me again. That's a big, that's a big void to cross. And once you can get there, you can really move forward with having less stuff and having less worry. Beautiful. Beautifully said, Rebecca, congratulations. I, I really congratulations on the book. Congratulations on your work. This has been such an inspiring conversation. I want to let everybody know that there is a planner also that comes with this book, right? And yeah, it's an add on. Yeah, you can buy it, but it's basically, it has the checklist and the menu plans and it has place for budgeting and guest lists and, you know, plans for Cholomoed and it has 52 weeks for Shabbat. So basically you finish one, you put it in the cabinet and then, you know, next year you can reference it again when you're making Yom Tov again. So you don't have to start from scratch. Amazing. Beautiful. And I'm going to let everybody know, we'll make a big announcement about this, but there will be somebody winning the book and a planner and one free month to your membership, which sounds amazing. So I'm excited to give that and thank you for that to give that to one of our listeners. We'll send out details on that. In the meantime, tell us where we can find this gorgeous book on Amazon. It's there. It's actually on sale right now. Oh, I don't cool. know how long it will be on sale, but Amazon put it on sale. So it's a great price. It's only $12. Oh, so, that is a great price. Yeah. It's $12. You can go get it. Uh, regular price is $31, but it's on sale right now from Amazon. So go and get it while it's still on sale. Absolutely. Organized Jewish life. Very, very much needed. And if you don't want it for yourself, you want it for a friend. I'm telling yeah, you. It's a like, great gift. It's a great, great gift. I think everybody would want it for themselves, but I'm just saying that <laughs> you would be a great gift giver if you give this as a gift. Cause the minute I put my hands on it, I'm like, this is going to make a great gift. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm saying I wish I'd had this when I got started. Yeah. You know, it's a great, it's a great engagement gift, actually. Yes, gift. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Rebecca, thank you so much. This was thank amazing. Thank you, Yael. I had a great time chatting with you. Atzlacha and uh, Kola Kavod on this. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks to Rebecca Saltzman for stopping by. You can grab a copy of her book, Organized Jewish Life, for yourself or for a friend on Amazon. Also, one of you can win a copy of the book, Organized Jewish Life, a copy of the planner, Organized Jewish Life Planner, and a free month to Rebecca's Journey to Organization membership. What a great giveaway. What do you have to do to win? All you have to do is enter a review for this podcast, for this show on Apple Podcasts. Just go to the review section, leave your review, take a screenshot and email it to us. Or to gain an additional entry for the giveaway, post your screenshot on your Instagram stories and tag me. We will be tracking all those entries coming in via Instagram and via email and select a winner on Thursday, September 15th. I will announce the winner the day after on Friday. If you are not on Apple and you're like, well, I don't want to miss out on that giveaway. I really want to join the membership and I want a copy of the book and the planner. You can still participate. Just email your review. That's it. Yael at yaeltrush.com. That's where you email your review, either your screenshot of your Apple review or just a review via email. And again, post that screenshot of your email review to your Instagram stories and tag me to get a double entry. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you here Friday where I'll be answering your money questions or any question for that matter. Be sure to send those in. Have a great week. <music>